friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide, and I'm also your radio host uh, two days a week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, here on Drive Time. It's wonderful uh, to be able to share with you. It's so good to have each of you joining with us. Uh, This week, we're looking at the subject, Christianity in History. How positive was its contribution? And today, we're simply asking, are all believers Christian? Tomorrow, I'm going to be joined by Lindy Sparing, uh, where we're going to be looking at the positive contribution that Christianity has made uh, throughout Christianity throughout history. On Thursday, Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan will be asking, did Christianity really support slavery? That's an interesting one. You'll have a fantastic discussion on that day. Uh, this is a really interesting week and we'll, uh, uh, but we're going to come, uh, to today's subject in just, uh, uh, just a few minutes. Unfortunately, Pastor Eric uh, can't be with us today, but we do have uh, with us uh, in the studio uh, Pastor Joseph Matichik, and for the first part of our program, uh, Pastor Matt Hunter. Now we'll come to uh, Pastor Joseph in just uh, uh, in just a few moments. Um, but Matt, Matt is the church planning director for the Seventh Day Adventist Church uh, here in South Australia, and he cares for um, church planting uh, right around uh, South Australia. In addition, he is pastored to the New Life Adventist Church, which is in fact a church plant, as well as the Elizabeth Church, that is a uh, a traditional established uh, established church. Now, Matt, it's wonderful to have you with us. Thanks very much, Gary. It's great to be here. Now, look, just tell us uh, before we before we start, a church planting a coordinator. What does? a church planning coordinator actually do. Okay, so I guess my role isn't to 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 personally uh plant churches, mm-hmm. but to guide and to support and to encourage um those that have on their heart to to plant a new church here in South Australia to to help them, to support them, to empower them, but also to help them have the right focus. All right. Okay. Now I I'm interested in that term have the right focus. What does that actually mean? What we find is that what's really important to building churches that have a healthy DNA, and when I say DNA, I mean the, you know, the, 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 the culture of the church, mm-hmm. is that they have a very strong mission focus. Mm-hmm. And really the, what, what develops that is the reason why that the church starts in the first place. So what you do find is often there's been lots of churches that have started and they've started over personality conflicts, over personal preferences, agreements, and things like this. As you can imagine, it's not necessarily the best way to start a new community 
On yeah, that I certainly understand that. I know one time I was actually church pastor of a uh, of a of a new group, and uh, there was a very acrimonious feeling towards themselves and the parent church. And uh, in fact, I think it was uh, I think it very much came about as a result of worship disagreements, you know, in that original church. And uh, you know, many churches have been established in on that basis, but it really doesn't engender long term health of the organisation, does it? That's that's right. And I guess the thing is that ultimately what our purpose as a church is, uh, our purpose isn't to plant lots of new churches. Mm-hmm. Our purpose is to spread the gospel of Jesus and to grow the mission and the kingdom of God. And so the, the goal isn't to plant a certain number of churches. The goal is to increase our, our, our mission spread and capacity to reach South Australia with the gospel. Yeah, around the state. And so that's really got to be the focus of church planting. And so one of my roles is to, to help to create that, um, that culture here within South mm-hmm. Australia with our church planting, that what we're looking for is we're looking for groups that have that missional focus and heart to be planting churches. If there's people who are part of a, an existing church that may have you know, other reasons, mm-hmm. we would really encourage them to sort through those particular issues within mm-hmm. their existing church rather than just go and... That's an amazing vision that you do actually have. I really appreciate what you're actually saying there because at the moment you start talking about reaching out into the community and touching the community, everything starts to actually make sense. In fact, everything seems to fall into place at that uh, at that particular uh, point in time. But look, tell me, how successful, I mean, well, how successful, it's probably not the way to gauge it, but uh, how many church plants do we actually have uh, here in South Australia? So at the moment we have about seven. And um, yeah, I guess uh, some of those have started in the last three or four years. Others have been going for a, a lot longer than that. One question I must come to is this one, because I'm conscious that so many people do actually ask this uh, this particular question. You know, why bother to plant churches when there are so many existing churches with more than enough seating to cater for all the people uh, that uh, might attend a new church plant? Thanks for asking that question, Gary. It's a very, very good question, and it's a pertinent one. And I guess part of the the reluctance and uh, resistance to church planting really comes from the answer to that particular question. But I want to take a cue from from one of my um, the person I look up to the most, which is Jesus. And I'll, I'll start my answer to your question by asking you a question. Um, this is very dangerous <laughs> when you do this sort of thing. And don't like uh, you're in the hot seat, not me. <laughs> Off you go. It's a rhetorical question, yes, so you don't yeah, have yeah, to yeah. answer it, Gary. <laughs> but I guess I would I'd look at it this way: Why didn't the disciples? stay in Jerusalem until the whole of Jerusalem was converted to Christianity? Mm, no, it's a very good question, isn't it? it mm. was, because the, uh, the the mission, the command of Christ was actually far bigger than just Jerusalem, wasn't it? That's right. So one of the things that we have a focus on in our conference is, is not just to plant new churches alone, mm-hmm. but also to... Um, re- revitalize existing churches. Mm-hmm. But what we find um, will help to achieve both of those, those goals is when we as a church are completely 100% invested in the mission of Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And and that is ultimately the goal. And and one of the things that you find is that so why are we wanting to plant new churches? Well, um, up until the the last three or four years, for example, just taking Adelaide, mm-hmm. um, Adelaide in the last twenty years has gone from a population of about a, just under a million to one point four million. Mm-hmm. So that's an extra four hundred. That's that's a lot of people. Extra forty percent. That's why my house prices are going up the way they are. <laughs> exactly. That's right. And when you think about that, it's a 40% increase in 20 years. That, that's, the, that's the approximate figures, but it's about right. In that time, we had really only had around about um, 18 churches in Adelaide. Can we really expect that the 18 churches that are already existing in Adelaide are going to be completely and fully able to reach that extra population? Mm. And so really when we see an increase in mission field, we need to be thinking missionally and we need to be um, proactive in reaching those different areas. So we want our existing churches to continue to grow. We want our our churches that have declined to revitalize, but we also know that... the the existing the number of existing churches we have is really actually inadequate to to mm. effectively reach the whole population of of Adelaide, and there was actually some uh, demographic study done by the the South Pacific Division that now that's the Seventh Day Adventist Church in Australia, New Zealand, and the South Pacific. Correct. Yep. Th- thanks for for pointing that that out. And I guess what we found was that um, from that study, it was really interesting when we looked at South Australia. There was a clear correlation between where the Adventist population lived within Adelaide. And this study, of course, was particularly directed at the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That's right. Yep. And, and, and looked at it, but also it looked at the, um, the census data and the, mm-hmm. the demographic data. So you could correlate um, what was going on within the Adventist Church, the population, with the broader society, yeah. which is really yeah. interesting. And what we found was that where we had Adventist churches, surprise, surprise, was where we had the highest concentration of Adventist people living. But there are entire areas, especially if you look at Adelaide, which is an easier mm-hmm. area to kind of look at. For example, the western suburbs, um, we have a church in, in Adelaide City, in the in the centre of the city. We've got a church in Queenstown, which is up near Port Adelaide. We've got a church down in Brighton. And now you may not think that from, from uh, the city to the beach, it doesn't seem like a long way. You know, it's only a few kilometres, but that actually... That that demographic area is quite a large area, Mm. and we have had no churches in that area for a very long period of time. That's the western suburbs. That's where the airport is here. Here, for those who may not know, Adelaide. Uh, I think the Adelaide Airport smack bang in the territory, in the middle of that territory. Correct. That's yeah. right. And, and you've got many sort of popular sort of areas, and that's been a, it's been a really interesting dynamic um, area. There's been a lot of urban infill, so there's been uh, increasing population. Um, you've got a, a lot of people. It was an aging population in that area, but that's really starting to change. Um, you know, obviously, uh, as there's lo- lots of places that become available and young. Younger families snap it up and things like this. So it's been a changing demographic in that area over the last 20 years. But in that area, there is very, very, it's probably one of the lowest 
areas of Adventist population and we have had no church there. Mm. So you can see there's a direct correlation to having a presence in an area and being able to reach it. And, and of course, one of the really good new pieces of news is that one of your church plants is actually over in that particular area. Correct. Yeah. Um, meeting in the um, the Adelaide West uh, Uniting Church, mm-hmm. uh, which is right next to the, the airport. Yeah. So really when you think and uh, when you think about that, there is opportunities to reach some of these areas and the best way to do that and we know this is to have a presence there yeah to have a church yeah so it's not about not wanting it's it's not an either or it's not it's a both and it's a both and it's not an either or that's correct yeah yep and and ultimately what it comes back to is what we you know going back to my original question to start off is that uh, it comes back to what is our purpose as not just as Christians, but especially as Adventists, yeah, which yeah. is to reach the whole of our population of our area where we are effectively with the gospel. Yeah, and so yeah. we need strong and a healthy existing churches, and we also need new churches to be able to reach them. I'm just conscious of our, of our time here, Matt. Now, look, I'm really conscious. I'd love to come to a practical example of the whole church planting thing. Now, I'm really conscious that you're pastor of the Elizabeth, which is a, a long-standing traditional uh, church, but you're also pastor of the New Life Adventist Church. Now, this is a, a brand new church in the northern suburbs of Adelaide. Now, can you tell us a little bit about it? How long has it been going and uh, uh, what's it all about? Well, I guess COVID has made things very interesting. Um, it's It's been uh, challenging, but it's also created opportunities for us. So, effectively, we've been meeting on a weekly basis for about a year mm-hmm. um, as of now. And, yeah, I guess uh, we meet in Smithfield Plains. Our particular focus area is Manapara and Manapara West. Manapara West is the um, second um, fastest growing suburb in Adelaide over the last 10 years. Wow. And so, and, and the other one, the fastest growing suburb is Seaford. And, and I was going to say the southern suburbs was probably number one. Yeah. That's right. And for me, it was really interesting because when I came to Elizabeth about eight years ago and, and started pastoring at Elizabeth, I was driving down uh, Curtis Road, which is uh, in that area, and uh, I, over a period of six months, suddenly I saw a new supermarket go up, a new Hungry Jacks, a new McDonald's. And when you see that investment being made by private enterprise, they don't do it on a whim. They've got good, solid data on population yeah, growth. Yeah. For me, I think when we see new shopping centres being built, we should also be seeing new churches being uh, planted. Yeah, yeah. Um, but essentially because there's new population areas. So that's that's our focus. That's where we are. We The demographics of our group, we're a younger group. So our key uh, sort of person who helps lead out, he's a young engineer in his early 20s. Wow. Uh, and so we've got quite a young group. And we have... This is a large group? We've got a group, a core group of about 15 people, mm-hmm. and uh, we can have, you know, anywhere between that 15 to sort of 25 uh, on a weekend. And one one of the things that's really interesting is if you came to our church, it would seem very, very different from your traditional Adventist church. And not because <coughs> it's our preference, you know. Um, remember what I said. So is how is it different? 
Well, um, so the the focus is not on our preference but on mission. So what we do, our church service time is much shorter. We try to keep it to about an hour max mm-hmm. um, because when we have new people that we're trying to reach out to coming along, have them come along to our church service and they sit down and the ch- we say that church service goes for an hour but it actually goes for an hour and a half to two hours. I think we're... Can I say it? It's a bit rude. <laughs> it confuses them. It confuses them, but it can... You know, it, it, if you say to someone, this is the expectation and that's not what happens, it, yeah. you know, yeah, we need to be thoughtful about that. <laughs> and we also make it interactive. We sit down around tables... Uh, it's kind of a cafe kind of setting because it as it is actually a cafe space during the week. Mm-hmm. We have an Adra cafe and a community pantry running out of that f- uh, facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very simple service. Uh, we have a song, we have prayer, we um, have a time for people to be able to give and offerings and things like that, and we have a sharing, a bit of a sharing time, and then we we basically have a presentation which is almost Bible study sort of based. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a presenter who might talk about a particular topic, but we get everyone to open their Bibles. We have plenty of Bibles for people to pick up. Um, we use the same Bible um, when we do it, so that you, for those who are not used to it, you've got page numbers. It's all the same. Yeah. So you can yeah. go to. Yeah. So it's all about thinking about the people that are yeah. coming in yeah. Yeah. And, and how we do that. So that's one part of it. And then the other part is instead of having a traditional Sabbath school time, uh, we've foregone that completely and we have a free Now, Sabbath breakfast. school traditionally, that, that would be a Bible study time yeah. that would normally uh, precede the uh, the worship service probably for an hour or so. So you're saying that that's been, um, you've done away with it with that? We've done away with it. And it's not uh, because we don't want to have that Bible study time, but it's again because of the people that we're trying to reach and focus on. Uh, we felt that at that point in time that because we had an interactive uh, style of, of worship that what we would have more benefit is running what we run as a free community breakfast that starts at 10.30am. Uh, brunch. Yeah, brunch, basically. So if I come along to your church uh, at 10.30, uh, you'll actually provide me with brunch. Yes. And a very healthy, very um, delicious, you know, um, yeah, great brunch. Lovely, yeah. lovely. And yeah. we have uh, the, the, the cafe that we have uh, there running during the week. We've got one of the volunteers from that that comes in and makes free hot drinks for people. Uh, so you can get a, a, a nice so cafe So you run a cafe during the week? We do, yes. Well, it's, Adra, it's actually Adra that runs that, but we, we partner with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Adra, of course, is the Adventist Development Relief Agency. Correct. Yep. Yeah, a humanity, a humanity branch yeah. church so it's really working together with them but um, so you can come in have a nice hot chocolate sit down um, have a nice breakfast and we sit down and we have a couple of activities sit down and chat with you and I guess what we find is that um, for us at this stage having that opportunity to connect with people and to be able to give them something that's of benefit to them uh, and have those conversations is helping us to read them more than probably if we were running a Bible study at that time. It's yeah. not something that people yeah. off the street are, are, are going to just walk in 
yeah. you know to and, and engage with straight away. Yeah. Now this is a this is a lovely type of uh, tone, a lovely culture that you're actually creating there. I mean, friendship is uh, if people want friendship, this is the place to actually go to. It's only a small group, so it's not threatening. Uh, do you know, to me, this uh, this sounds a really beautiful type of environment. Now, tell me though, Matt, if a person wants to uh, come, um, now what time and how do they get there? Where's the address? Yep, thanks for that. So, ten thirty is when we have our free community breakfast, and then we start our church service at twelve. Like I said, it goes for an hour, which is just after that. Uh, and we are located at Shop Nine Two Forty Peachy Road in Smithfield Plains. Okay, repeat all that for us again. Yep. So it's uh, Shop Nine. Uh, 240 Peachy Road, Smithfield Plains. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not far from Curtis Road. At 10.30? At 10.30, yep. At 10.30 for breakfast uh, or 12 o'clock uh, for the one-hour worship service. Correct, yep. And you come along and, uh, yeah, it's a relaxed environment. You can sit down, uh, have a bit of food and chat to us and I'm sure that you really enjoy, yeah. you know. That now, of course, time. one last thing. Do I understand it correctly that this weekend you've got a free car wash on? Yes, we do. So, so if I take my car along this weekend, uh, you will wash my car f- uh, for free. For free, yes. Yeah, so uh, it's the same location, and um, yeah, we're doing a free car wash at eleven a.m. on the Sunday morning. That's this coming Sunday morning. This coming Sunday morning. Yep. And uh, and so October the tenth, um, come along. And so this is an opportunity for us to meet people, um, do something that hopefully that. You know, they they get value out of and and uh, you know enjoy just having sitting back. Will you vacuum the inside of my car as well? <laughs> We'd be happy to vacuum the inside of your car. Absolutely. The other thing as well is that while you're waiting for us to do that, we will make you a complimentary free uh, hot drink. So hot chocolate, uh, chai, whatever you you know would like. Um, even we've got really good, nice barista-made decaf coffee um, with alternate milks, everything that you could possibly want. And while you sit down in our cafe space, you can sit back and enjoy. You can read a Signs of the Times or something like that while you're waiting. And, 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 and no one's going to give you a hard time while I'm there. No, not at all. Fantastic. You know, Matt, this is, this is too good to be true. Now look guys, uh, can I just recommend this? Uh, this is, this is really too good to be true. Uh, please come and, come and join, uh, Matt. Now look, please, Matt will be there. Matt, you're going to be there, aren't you, Matt? I will be there. Uh, Matt will be there. Now look, just look for the guy with the big beard and, uh, introduce yourself to Matt and say, hey, look, you know, I heard, uh, about this, uh, on the, on the radio. Uh, he'd love to be able to, uh, to meet you, to greet you, to say hello to you while his young people actually go and wash your Car, vacuum out the inside, and he'll personally uh, give you a a, a free uh, hot chocolate. You know, to me, I I think that's that's too good to be true. That really is good. And now, what's the address for this again? So it's Shop Nine. 240 Peachy Road, Smithfield Plains. Okay, for a free car wash this Sunday starting at... At 11am. At 11am. Wow-wee. Now, there you go, folks. That is an incredible offer. Matt, look, we do have to finish. I really appreciate you you coming in and uh, just uh, sharing uh, what you have shared. You have covered so much ground, uh, but it is so greatly appreciated. Uh, Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless your ministry. Matt was such, uh, thank you so much for that, Matt. We really do appreciate everything that you were able to, to share. But look, guys, it is time for some music. Let's come to, uh, uh Gavin Chatelier and, uh, the song is, uh, Count uh, Your Blessings. And what a wonderful thought, uh, that, uh, that really is.
count your many blessings, see what God has done. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you feel discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Your many blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy? You are called to bear. Your many blessings, every doubt will fly, and you will be singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. When you look at others with their lands and gold. Christ has promised you a wealth untold. Count your many blessings money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven or your home on high. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Absolutely powerful message is uh, is in that song. Count your blessings. That's by Gavin Chatillier, and I really appreciate uh, the uh, the children singing in the background. I believe there it is uh, his own family, uh, his children uh, are singing that uh, that song along with him. What wonderful thought it is, and uh, it's wonderful to uh, have heard the uh, the young people singing there as well. Uh, now, guys, look, we do have a, a giveaway book uh, for you for you today. Now, uh, the book's entitled uh, Signs of Hope. Now, this is 
been a, a really popular uh, book. It's a, it's a great uh, little book. So we are actually uh, repeating uh, this particular offer. It was one that we made a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago. Um, but we want to re-offer uh, this particular uh, book uh, a book again. Now this is uh, uh, the book is Signs of Hope. You know we're living in a world right now uh, that is really running uh, running out of steam. It's spiraling almost out of control. And uh, yet this book uh, talks about signs of hope. Don't we need uh, hope uh, right now? Now, look, if you'd like your own copy of Signs of Hope, uh, all you need to do is just text us uh, here at the studio. Now, our text number is 04 That number again is 04 80811 and all you've got to do is just uh, send the code SA17. Now no gap between there because uh, uh, our, our our robot is actually not a very intelligent robot. If you put a space between SA and the 17 uh, he actually doesn't know what we're talking about. So just SA17 that's all you need to need to put and then uh, our kind it is a friendly robot um, but if you could, uh, could possibly just uh, put that code and he'll contact you and find the fast Way uh, to be able to get this book uh, book to you. That uh, code again is SA17. Uh, the book is Signs of Hope, and the uh, uh, and the text number is 0488. 808 11 and also look if you've got any um, uh, comments or questions that you'd like to uh, like to send to us you can also use that text number we do like to hear uh, from our uh, from our listeners uh, you're listening to faith fm drive time big q and a with uh, pastor gary now today our regular uh, tuesday co-host eric hoare he can't be with us uh, but it is wonderful uh, to now have in the studio at the very very last moment, uh, our good friend and mate, uh, Joseph Matichik, who is also our regular host on Monday. Welcome to you, Joseph. It's great to be here, Gary. It's good to have you in the studio. For a while there, I was starting to think that uh, I was going to be doing this uh, this particular uh, day all all alone. Uh, I'm sure you could manage that as well if that needed to have happened. <laughs> well, you got, you got great confidence in me, and I really do appreciate that, but uh, I'm... Uh, uh, I'm very thankful uh, that you are actually in the studio with us. Um, now, th- this week, we're actually looking at the subject, Christianity in history, how positive was its contribution? You know, so many times uh, we do actually hear that uh, uh, Christianity has made a negative contribution to a society. And this week, we're actually going to examine that very question. Today, we're asking, are all believers truly Christian. Now, this is a really key uh, question. It's a foundation to uh, everything we're going to look at this week. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be joined by Lindy Sparing, and I uh, really appreciate having uh, Lindy in the studio with me. We're going to look at tomorrow at the really positive contribution that Christianity has made uh, throughout history. And then on Thursday, we're going to go to a really controversial one. And this one's going to be done by uh, my good mates, um, uh, Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan. And they're going to be talking about, did Christianity really support slavery? Now, this issue of slavery uh, keeps on being thrown up at the, at the Christian church. And they're going to talk about this particular issue and try to bring uh, some clarity uh, to this uh, to this particular subject. But anyway, this week's subject, uh, Christianity in history, how positive with its contribution and today we're going to ask this question are all christians really christian 
you know, it's a picture of the church that I'm so conscious that is not always all that real. When I uh, speak to individuals and uh, talk to them about the church, I often ask them to uh, paint me a, a picture of their view of the church. Now, sometimes they paint a, a picture of a building, and of course, the the church in Scripture is actually a body of a body of believers. Uh, but most often, they'll have a community of praying people, people who are supporting each other in bad times, uh, people who are who are worshiping God, people who are who are visiting the sick, uh, all the people functioning in in total harmony. It's it's really such a positive picture. In the old days, we actually um, uh, we actually used to uh, sing sing a hymn. It, uh, it used to go something like this: "Onward, Christian soldiers, marching us to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banners go, like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading." Where the saints have trod, we are not divided, all one body we, one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. You know, Joseph, as I sort of, you know, re, you know, hear that, uh, I can hear that a song being sung in the church of my youth. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful picture. But tell me something. Now look, you're an experienced pastor. How regularly does that picture of the church actually meet reality yeah not always gary to be really honest um there there are a number of times when it when it when it doesn't sadly um where 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 we and i guess when we talk about the church we we think of local churches the churches and we also think of institutions and now i've had as you have had the opportunity to work in congregations in in specific churches but also at a more institutional level if you like at at an administrative level and it would be fair to say gary i that uh, there is both uh, the, the good and some of the not so good that has been seen and done by by church, both as a as congregational as as, as individual churches as well as at an institutional level. Sadly, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I really appreciate what you're actually saying there because I I know myself. I uh, I, I suppose I can reflect on certainly good and bad. I, I know the church that I actually grew up in. I mean, that was way back in the dim dark past of the. the 1970s. You know, I well remember going a little church in the western suburbs of uh, of Sydney with uh, no more than probably 60 or 70 people there. But my view of that particular church at that time was just so positive. You know, we had a youth group. It wasn't a large youth group. We're talking no more than about um, 8, 10, maybe 12, 12 people on occasions. Uh, you know, we would uh, uh, gather together uh, Almost, well, every week I would have said there was a, there was a church lunch. Uh, every week, you know, the church young people would, uh, would gather together. Uh, every week there'd be a, uh, a social in the evening. In fact, it was a common thing in that particular church for, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the day's worship services to start at, uh, 9.30 in the morning and people would gather together, have lunch together. Uh, people would spend an afternoon together, uh, and then, uh, have a social evening. And you'd often come home, and you know I can well remember coming home at ten, eleven o'clock at night, and I'd fall into bed, and I was just thoroughly exhausted. But wow, felt good. Really, you thoroughly enjoyed, though. I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. Yeah, something yeah, that yeah. looked forward to. And I remember also, um, Gary, as a 
Well, yeah, as a young boy myself, uh, really looking forward to catching up with uh, with friends and other people. And um, yeah, well, it would it'd be a full day, it'd be a big day. Yeah, but but something to to look forward to, definitely. Yeah, time for sharing, uh, not not just the the praise and the worship, but the time of fellowship, the time of socialization. It was a really place of belonging and fellowship. Yeah, yeah, and yet on the other hand. You know, I can also, I'm also very conscious that, uh, certainly, uh, since I have, have worked in ministry, and I suppose I've worked in many different aspects of ministry. You know, right now I've got the real privilege of speaking on the, on radio here. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've spent some time in, uh, uh, in, in the administrative side of the church. We've spent some time at church pastoral work, uh, some time ministering to young people. Yes. And I, I have just found that, you know, that not everything that you uh, that you see on the surface is the same below the surface. No. You know, I, I I well remember at one of my churches. You know, I mean, sitting sitting in a in a courtroom with uh, uh, with a with a man who uh, really ha- had done uh, very wrong things to mm. his family, and his family were were part of the part of the church. And you know, he said to me, he said, "Yeah, I know I've done the wrong thing." And yes, he he was pleading he was pleading guilty to you know everything that he was. And yes, he was sent along to the you know he was sent to prison. But he said to me, he said, "Pastor, would you just sit in sit in with me?" And so I I remember sitting there with him. But as the the court went through the various um, issues that he had uh, the uh, the crimes that he had committed uh, I, I felt incredibly sorry for him because I, I, I recognised that this was something that had been weighing on his own conscience for a huge amount of time. I, I mean have you come across similar things in, in your own ministry? Yeah certainly Gary a real, it's a real just a juxtaposition are coming of both the good and the bad really it's a real mix as such you know I um, my childhood church I remember um, for example how um, uh, th- th- I remember yeah you know, and th- this sort of really still sticks in my mind because you're you're a young boy I was a young boy and I, I remember watching sometimes in in meetings uh, church members just openly you know attacking each other verbally arguing with, with each other and committee and, meetings exactly committee meetings and really being aggressive to each other and um, and you think well you know how can these people act like this and this stands out to, to a young person you know, they, yeah. are they even yeah. aware that that that, that, that young younger people are, are watching hearing hearing this kind of thing inside you know inside a church church building as they're as they're addressing each in other. other words what you've actually got here is the good and the bad that's right living side by side very much so in the Christian Church, very much so. Um, more, much more recently, uh, I um, I remember again a scenario where the, the congregation where I was pastoring, um, and led by this certain individual uh, uh, who um, there was a need, there was an appeal. So, somebody, somebody needed some real medical help. Um, some funds needed to be raised. Um, and um, at very short notice, he, he put out an appeal to the congregation and um, uh, led led basically and that, that that congregation to to give. And it was just it was just incredibly moving, Gary. The people mm. just gave, and something like in a very short space of time, I don't remember exactly the amount, but it was in the thousands of 
dollars. Yeah. Thousands of dollars were raised. People just gave yeah. uh, to help out the, in this situation where, where funds were needed for this medical situation. Yeah. And um, it, the, 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 the recipients were, were just totally moved by this. Yeah. Then the same individual... Uh, who led, and, and this is now getting quite personal because the same individual who, who led the congregation to, and, and made the appeal and, and they gave, that same individual gave me personally a, a, a grief. Uh, he, he, he was quite critical. Um, there was almost at times when he would just suddenly, uh, flip, if you like, in such yeah, a, such yeah. a way. And it, it just illustrated to me that the same person could exhibit such, such charitable deeds and kindness and, and a heart for people. But at, but the same person could also, uh, be so, so cutting, so, so hurtful and, you know, he questioned my leadership. He questioned my integrity. He questioned my motives. Uh, he, he, he did that actually in front of some other co, uh, other co leaders in the church. Um, one of the most hurtful moments in my life, Gary, yeah. you know, same individual. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just highlights for you. This is one of the real challenges that we do actually face because within the Christian church, you have such incredible positive, but you've also got uh, incredible pain that has been caused within the church as well. You know, that both are, and you know, to me, it does actually raise the question, well, how do we actually explain uh, this reality? And we see it, as I said a little bit earlier, both at a, at a very local level within an, ex- within, within an actual particular congregation. Yeah. But even the institution, and it's, you know, our institutions have sometimes really treated people in uh, very hurtful ways. Yeah. Um, institutions have, can I say it, Gary, have probably misrepresented the name of God um, to the to the to the wider community, to to, to society in general, mm-hmm. uh, even over his, throughout history, and at times in more recent, more okay, recently. Look, so, look, this yeah. is this is really this is really practical. This is really fantastic. Now, look, I'm just conscious of uh, you know how do we actually explain what is in fact this huge cloud. That does settle, you know, so much good on one side and so much um, of a cloud on the other side. And to me, you know, as I as I thought about this, you know, I I came to a, a passage of scripture that uh, it's actually a parable that uh, that Christ told. But to me, when I discovered the depth of this parable, it said something to me that it spoke to me in a way that nothing else could, because uh, I believe Christ actually explained what was actually going on. It's actually called the the parable of the wheat and the tares. And this is uh, this is what Christ said. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So this is found in Matthew chapter 13. Ah, this is found in Matthew chapter... Thank you for that, uh, uh, Joseph. Matthew chapter 13, verse uh, 24 down to to verse uh, 29. Uh, It's like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tears also appeared so the servants of the owner came and said to him sir did you not sow good seed in the field then how does it have tears and he said to them 
an enemy has done this. And the servant said to him, Do you want us to go and uh, gather them all up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also root up the wheat with them. Now let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, you know, when I read this particular passage, I, I, I sort of uh, so much fell into place about this struggle that we've got within the Christian world. You know, in this passage, what I really, in fact, you know, in my, in my personal devotional time, you know, I noticed that what, uh, what Christ, uh, asked here was, uh, well, rather the servant asked three very significant questions, um, of the master. Uh, sir, the first one was this, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? You know, when I read that question, I, I, I started to reflect on the good things that God, way back at creation, sowed into his field. What sort of things were they, Joseph? Yeah, right from the very beginning, God uh, created a perfect environment. Uh, it created a, a beautiful planet. It was perfect. Um, we read in, in, in the beginning, uh, humans, humans are created perfect, perfect relationships. He gave them a perfect environment, perfect garden, um, nature, diet. Their relationship between humans was, was perfect. Their nature between animals and humans, for instance, um, was, was not a harmful or a threatening one. Um, and uh, God, God gave food. God gave life. Um, uh, God gave relationships. The, the, you know, it reminds me of what is it, James, where it says that every uh, good and perfect gift comes from it comes from above. Yeah, that, you know, that's a beautiful picture that you're actually facing. You know, and, and when I look at what Christ actually said, He, Sir, did you not sow good seed? And you know, I, I see here Christ actually referring to what God did way back at the very beginning. He, cre- he created a ma- majestic, a beautiful, a wonderful, a complete, a, a, a field that there, there was nothing bad or evil uh, about it. The, the text uh, stipulates in Genesis there that um, it, it was good when God created. It was good, it was good, and at the end it says it was very good. It, it's kind of really stressing that, that whole point, Gary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we could actually say, you know, this this can be expanded out into other areas as well. But look, let's go to the second uh, the second question that the servants actually ask, because they come to the master and they say, "Well, how then does it have tears?" Mm. Now, you know, to me, this is a really significant question. It, it is, it is indeed, because um, it, it helps us understand. It, 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 it's also connected to that, that, that really big question that so many people ask and really wrestle with, you know, if God's a God of love, if God is the source of all this good that we've said, how come there is this bad happening? You know, why doesn't he do something about it? What, yeah. What's going on? To me, Gary, this story is one of the most helpful explanations um, because what we're going to discover here um, in this story is that it doesn't come from God. So many people either directly or even at least indirectly insinuate and, and connected that you know, it's come from God, that God is somehow responsible for the, for the bad stuff, for the, for the evil, for the wrong. That is so true. That is so important that what you've actually said there, I think, has nailed that uh, on the, the nail on the head uh, because this is true in our world. You know, where did pain, suffering, heartache and disease, all the issues of this particular world, where did it come from? But also, can I suggest even more directly, 
this parable is actually talking also about the church. Mm. You know, where does the, the, the pain, the struggle, the heartache, the, the issues, the fighting, the, the things that the church has done wrong, where does it actually come from? I think this actually answers it. I believe it does exactly too, because Jesus, uh, the context is said, he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like. So he's, he's describing what, you know, what his kingdom is like. It, it's going to have within it both, both good and bad. And here it was, uh, an enemy who came and sowed those, those, those bad seeds. It, it says it there in, in verse 25. And Gary, uh, for me, um, verse 28, the, the response, the response to the question, how then does it have tears? Where, where did the tears come from? Or in some versions, where did the weeds come from? The answer, an enemy has done this. That to me is a really critical point. An enemy has done it. Not God. Hasn't come from him. An enemy. There's a real enemy there that this that this parable is pointing us to. But, but hang on, who is the enemy? Well, we don't have to uh, second guess or, or wonder because Jesus, even just in this chapter, let alone when we compare it elsewhere, but just in this chapter a little bit further on, uh, he, he states in uh, verse uh, 39, he says, an enemy is the one who's, who sows them. Oh, sorry. And, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The devil, Satan, uh, it, it's quite clear here. And, and, and I think represents. the important thing there is that Christ actually believed there is a being known as Satan, the devil, the adversary, in by various terms. But Christ believed he did, did exist. I'm conscious that we're living in a world today that actually doesn't believe uh, that any longer. And yet uh, Christ certainly did believe that an enemy or the adversary or a devil, if you want to call it, does actually exist. And he is the one who's been responsible for sowing the Evil seed. He, he exists. He's real and uh, unfortunately qu- quite quite active, and um, and that's 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 right, Gary. He's he's the one that that, that is sowing sowing that seed. So Joseph, look, help me out here because I, I'm really conscious that to me this does actually impact the church because to me this starts to really um, explain why you start to get um, struggles and uh, contentions. Uh, within the church. I'm not trying to justify it. No. But I think it explains it. You know, you know, sometimes people, uh, um, think that, hey, this is, uh, you know, contentions in the church is something that is unique, uh, just to our era. Did the New Testament church have any, um, uh, any contentions, any problems in, in the New Testament church? They, they certainly did, Gary. And, and I guess the incredible thing is how quickly that, that these, these tensions, these problems appeared. Uh, after the time of Jesus, in fact, in fact, it was only just within matter of years. You, you, we read just in the book of Acts about some of the contention in in, in the early church. Yeah, Acts chapter fifteen. If you just have a, you know, a quick reference to that, but then we we even have the um, account of specific churches. Uh, we think, of course, of the church in Corinth, and we mm. have recorded in the Bible. Two letters to them, not just one, but two letters. And the first one in particular, Gary, uh, recounts it about the, the issues in that church. Boy, that, that was a church with some serious issues. Um, it's, it's, um, it's a church where there, there was, there was division. Some people were following, um, Paul. Some were following Peter or Paulus. Some were following Apollos. And so there, there was division that they were following personalities. Then there was, uh, there was issues of immorality. Sexual immorality exactly, within the church. Exactly. they right there. Just within years after uh, Jesus' uh, ministry here on earth, uh, there was issues of also of um, 
misuse of the Lord's Supper. So there, there were worship issues and there were other contention, contentious issues over tongues that's mentioned in chapter 14. And so it was it was a church that was highly uh, problematic, yeah, we could yeah, say. Yeah. A lot of people don't actually realize when they're reading. I mean, First Corinthians is certainly most remembered for uh, chapter 13, you know, the great love chapter. And of course, the reason Paul actually puts the great love chapter together in chapter 13 is because this is the most contentious church in the New Testament. These guys are taking each other to the law. They're taking each other to the courts. That's right. Um, see, in this particular church, I actually recognize a church that has real challenges. It has real, you know, sometimes people say, hey, look, you know, churches today, uh, you know, they are so imperfect. And yet, as I look at the church today, are there reasons why that occurs? Yeah. I think there are. Yeah, I agree, Gary, and I think to be to be really frank, that the church, because it's church is people, they are humans. Humans are not perfect, and so you are going to have uh, both good and bad. And 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 to, to take that a little step further, I guess what we're identifying here is that not everyone in a church is a commi- is a what we would say a committed. Uh, Believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, I remember seeing 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 that in in people uh, in in church members from you know from years ago. Uh, they would attend for just for social reasons, but their hearts weren't in it. Uh, doesn't mean that they were evil necessarily in and of themselves. But the fact is, it's a collection of people. Some are committed, some are not. Some start out well committed, and then. For whatever reason, they their faith uh, goes a different way, or their 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 commitment to it goes goes a different way, and so you'll have some who are committed, uh, can I say, converted, and others who sadly sadly aren't. And uh, we we've recognised that the, the devil is real. He 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 brings temptations. He brings situations. He brings experiences in people's lives, and uh, and some choose to act out in ways that. Uh, are not godly, are not Christian, and uh, and that's why you got these various issues and problems. Wow, wow, that's uh, that's that to me is actually incredibly significant what you've actually said there. But look, let's go to the third question because I'm conscious that this parable uh, you actually find that the servants of the the king, um, because you know I don't know about you, Joseph, but I'm one of those people that likes to fix it. You know, if there's a problem, if there's an issue, I like to deal see, with, deal deal with, with it. it. I yeah. like to see resolution. I like to fix it. Um, now, these um, servants were also, like myself, they were fixer type people. Now, they come in um, and they ask this. The servant said to him, this is question number three, do you want us to go and gather them up, if you like? Do you want us to go and fix the problem? Do you want us to go through the field and carefully weed out? Get, get rid uh, of the weeds, get rid of the tears. Get rid of the weeds and the tears. But he said, clean it up, clean up the show. Let uh, um, he said, no, lest you gather up the tares. uh, And when you um, sorry, um, uh, no, don't do that, because when you gather up the tares, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest at the and at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, who he points out are the angels in another's place, mm. first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, now Joseph, are you a fix-it person or not? How do you feel about this? Yeah, there, there, there always is a sense where I, I want things to be sorted out and sorted out instantly. Yet what we find here, Jesus really pointing out, is that... Um, 
some things we simply cannot, it, it's not up to us. No, notice it, it, it wasn't, uh, it's not directed to us to do that. It's actually, as you pointed out, the, the, the reapers here are, are the angels. They're the ones. In other words, it, it's, it's, it, it will be dealt with, uh, uh, Gary. It will be sorted out, but not, not, not in the here and now by us, some of these things. Um, but, uh, but at the end of time, it points to a time, time, you know, the end time judgment when ultimately, and praise God, he's the one who knows, knows the best. I don't know the person's heart. Um, God, God, God is the only one that does, and um, and so this is really telling us that it's yeah, the, the good and bad are going to exist. It, it states there very clearly in verse thirty: "Let both grow together until the harvest." Until the harvest. That to me is another key statement in this: "Let both grow together, good and bad, wheat and tares are to grow together. They're going to both be there until." The end. In other words, what this is saying to me is that not everything that we can point at in the church is actually, uh, um, does it actually come from the scriptures? Neither does it come from the Spirit of God. Exactly. There are some things that actually come from a different source because Christ Himself actually says, "Hey, these wheat, the tares, they're going to be there in the in the church, in the community. They're going to be there until I come." And significantly, the thing I'm so thankful for, He says, "But at that time, um, you're not going to be the ones to judge." because I am going to be the one, the reapers. I'm going to be commissioning my angels to actually do because I don't want, I, I'm the one who can actually read the heart. Exactly. Um, you know, and to me, as I look at this, I turn around and I say, hey, how much will actually be uncovered in that day mm. that otherwise would have been messed up? How wise is Christ in saying what he is actually saying here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph, look, I, I'm really conscious that our time has uh, has got away from us. But look, I'm just wondering, how would you like to just pray uh, for us, and particularly for anyone who may be struggling with something that the church has actually done to them? Mm, yeah, happy to do that. Let's do that. Dear God, Lord, we have just spent a few moments reflecting on your church. And as we look at your church, we recognize, Lord, that so often it has let you down. So often it has done things that have not truly represented you, that have misrepresented Jesus, that have misrepresented even uh, the teachings of the Bible, That ha- where the church, uh, whether in a congregation or even uh, broadly the institution, has has um, done hurtful things and hurt people. And Lord, I, I particularly pray uh, for anyone who might be listening right now who has been hurt by the church, who's been perhaps uh, turned off church and even faith and religion and whatever and is just questioning some of these things. Lord, I pray for them. Help them to understand what we've discovered here, that the church is full of humans who are imperfect people um, and that uh, you teach us through this uh, very important parable that the the wheat and the tares, the good and the bad, are both going to coexist. They're both going to be there until the end. We thank you, Lord, that the bad doesn't come from you, that an enemy, and the devil is out there, he's active. But we know that you are more powerful, and one day you will bring it to an end. You will deal with it. And so, Lord, I just pray that anyone that might be and might have gone through a hard time, that you will bring some healing to them, help them to understand uh, what this situation is, so that they can see that uh, it's not you that's at fault, Lord, and to not throw out uh, the church as a result. 
Um, bless them, Lord, and be with each and everyone listening today. Thank you that you are the ultimate judge. Thank you that one day you will deal with this. May we stay faithful to you in the meantime is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor Joseph Matichik on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be sharing with Lindy Sparing and we continue looking at some of Christ's uh, most radical teachings. Uh, tomorrow we're looking at the positive contribution that Christianity has made uh, throughout history uh, to society. Really look forward to your being with us. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Change my heart, oh We're losing them now. Make it ever true. I be like you.